Chris Webster here, co-founder of the APN. I just wanted to thank you for supporting archaeological education and outreach. Please share this post across your socials so more can learn about our shared past. On to the episode. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. And welcome to Deep Cuts, the monthly bonus episode where we take a closer look at something we've covered in the past month. And since this month is Spooktober, Amber, I'll be treating you to a series of archaeological stories that are mysterious, fascinating, and maybe a little creepy in honor of the season. And um, we're going to excerpt a portion of this episode as a bonus on the main feed. But if you want to hear the rest of the stories and if you want access to other monthly bonus content while supporting the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the dirt podcast and join our growing dirtbag family. Okay. You got your, your mold cider and your fuzzy slippers. Um, you, you got the lights down low. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. I'm really good at okay. improv. Let's begin. <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> We're going to start with something that isn't in itself creepy because it's a cultural thing, but I imagine the discovery was a little spine tingling. This is the story of the Hubei hanging coffins. Around 12,000 years ago, during the Tang Dynasty in China, a group of people believed to be a minor. 12,000 years ago? Sorry, 1,200. Goodness gracious. Good catch. <laughs> Too many zeros. 1,200, 1,200, 1,200. Around 1,200 years ago, during the Tang Dynasty in China, a group of people believed to be a minority ethnic group called the Bo carved a cave deep into the side of a 100-meter cliff. Inside that cave, they carved deep rectangular niches more than 50 meters above the floor of the cave into which they placed wooden coffins. Some of the coffins were held up on stakes. Some were wedged into the carved openings. There were around 131 coffins in total, each containing a single individual. The coffins were massive, each carved out of a single block of wood and filled with sand along with the human remains. It's still unclear to archaeologists how these coffins were lifted so high up the inside of the cave, which incidentally is still called the, quote, cave of the fairies by locals because it was thought that fairies created the cave. But um, it's thought that the purpose of this type of burial was both to keep scavenging scavenging animals away from the remains and also to show veneration or blessing of the dead in some way. So what happened to the Bo people? It's thought that they disappeared in the Ming Dynasty, which occurred uh, around 1368 to 1644 CE, persecuted by military expeditions led by China's imperial armies. Hanging coffins themselves are found in multiple locations in China and also in some places in the Philippines and Indonesia. Today, the sites are sometimes places where offerings are left, but they're also in danger from looters and those who might want to take the wood from the coffins for things like firewood, which seems to have happened to the Hubei coffins within the past 50 years or so. Um, there's not a whole... So they're not suspended. They're not. They're um, Some of them are. Some of them are kind of 
sticking out of their niches, but they're held in place by these wooden stakes. But some of them are just kind of tucked into these um, holes okay. in in the cave face. Yeah. So not only was this cave itself excavated, but not, not excavated as in archaeologically, but it was carved. It's it's a man-made cave, right. but also the the niches themselves were carved. So it's just this tremendous amount of work. And then the coffins were each carved basically out of a chunk of tree trunk. So just the work that went into this. Yeah. So we, I mean, we don't know who these individuals were, why they themselves, like if this was a common burial practice or if this was reserved for really important individuals, given the amount of, of expended effort. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a mystery really. Um, Mostly to me, uh, I imagine that people who who actually um, study these burials know more things about it. But uh, I just thought it was a really fascinating um, type of burial that I had never heard anything about. And so the other places where um, hanging burials mm-hmm. and coffins, um, they don't. There's no reason to think that it's some kind of connection to the population. I don't think so, but I don't know for sure because of all the places they could be, they're relatively clustered in similar areas. And so it's like throughout China, but then also the Philippines and Indonesia, which are kind of in the neighborhood. I mean, it's... They're, they're harder to get to. Yeah. From. <laughs> yeah. And specifically... Um, Interesting. Yeah. It's it's specifically um, Luzon in the in Indonesia, which um, that new hominin, Homo uh, luzonensis, was just found. Unrelated, but... In- in the Philippines. What did I say? Right? You said the Indonesia. I meant the Philippines. Luzon in the Philippines. Yeah. I was looking okay. at the script I and I read I, Indonesia. I think I've seen I I think I've seen like on, you know, probably Atlas Obscura or something, something like that. Yeah. But that's that wouldn't surprise me. Um yeah, no, I yeah. just I thought that was really interesting. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So uh, this this whole episode is going to be kind of hopping around the globe. So next, I'm going to take you to South America for this story, courtesy of National Geographic. Quote. Oh, not like National. Yeah. (laughs) Did you know that National Geographic is funding us to hop around the world and look at stuff? God, wouldn't that be great? Wow. Yeah, it would. The dream. It would indeed. Mm. Hey, uh, listeners, if you all know anyone at, at National Geographic in a position to make that happen. Hit us up. Okay. (laughs) So, quote, 10 skeletons in total were found in 2018 at an archaeological site called Tlalpan, just south of Mexico City. Today, the spot is wedged in the midst of a bustling urban area. Local news outlets report that the burial site was hidden under a building that housed classrooms and priests' dorms, but the skeletons date back about 2,400 years. Not 24,000. 2,400. 240,000 years, guys. Archaeologists from Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History said in a statement that remains may have been part of a ritualistic burial. Now, normally, I might roll my eyes a little bit at that and mutter something about how when archaeologists can't explain something, an easy solution is to call it ritual. Mutter, mutter, mutter. Uh, In case you hadn't realized, this is me editorializing and not actually from... National Geographic. Oh, it's not from the statement? Oh, no. In this case, though, I'm inclined to agree with these researchers since, hold on to your butt, the skeletons were found arranged in a circular formation, each on their sides and with arm bones interlocked. Based on, back to the National. What? Yeah. 
So like they were, it was like do-si-do link arms. People were in a circular formation. So back to the Nat Geo article. Based on initial observations, archaeologists were able to see that at least two of the skeletons had some sort of intentionally deformed skull. Some of the skeleton's teeth also appeared to be intentionally deformed, which is you know not out of the range of known behaviors for this area. Um, among the skeletons, there were also cajetes, a type of clay pot, and tecomates, rounded bowls with small circular openings. Researchers noted that it was still unclear whether the deaths of these individuals had been intentional or whether they were buried after they had died for other reasons. The burial site dates back to a time that archaeologists refer to as Mexico's pre-classical period. It's far older than the Aztec Empire, which didn't really get going until the early 16th century CE. Before the Aztecs dominated the region, a civilization built around the city of Teotihuacan was in power, but their existence declined by about the 7th century CE. So unclear who these people were, unclear why they were buried the way they were. A mystery again. But they were... They were buried at the same time, though. Yeah, they were because they were interlocked, like they were interlinked. Yeah, it would have been really difficult to like add them person by person, like dig dig everybody up again, put another person in the circle. Yeah, so yeah, we can we can assume that they were buried at the same time, though they may not have died at the same time, which raises a whole lot of other questions. Really, just one question: (laughs) What? Which is what? (laughs) Okay. Next, I am taking us briefly back to the Philippines to yet another burial cave. Oh, my God. This time in Cabayan in the Cordillera mountain ranges. Cabayan is home to a total of 200 man-made burial caves, 15 of which contain perfectly preserved human mummies. The caves are remnants of the tradition and practices of the Ibaloi, a local indigenous group. During the pre-colonial era, mummification was a common funerary practice among the Ibaloi. And you may think, okay, whatever, we've talked about mummification before. Uh, this, This is special. So, the length and delicateness of mummification were determined by the dead person's social status. The body was usually first treated with salt and herbs. When a member of the Ibaloi tribe was close to death, they drank, or according to a couple of sources I found but I don't necessarily trust, were forced to drink a heavy saltwater solution to begin curing them from the inside. And I don't mean curing them of their ailments, I mean curing like a pastrami. Once they died the rest of the way, they were rubbed down with herbs and then cured over a low fire for a period of weeks to months. Like the... the yeah, age folks. Uh huh. But that was in Britain, so no, I know, I know. I mean, but like it's no, like, I know. I'm saying so. It's a it's, so it's a thing that that happened in multiple places. Yeah, which which like is neat. The the sort of like smoked mummies rather than pickled. Other well, that I mean, you know, it's a process that you use to preserve food. So if the idea is preservation, right? No, the yeah. connection between the two things isn't, isn't a remote but it's one. Still right? like, even though I did the Clan Holland episode last year, I still don't think of that as like how you get a mummy. Like, how do you get a mummy? <laughs> like you basically like pickle it, but like there are lots of ways to, well, get this mummies. one was kind of, yeah, this, this is sort of both. They sort of pickled them first a little. To speed up the process, members of the tribe, the living ones, would sometimes also blow blow tobacco smoke inside the body. This process preserved the bodies incredibly well. You can still see the intricate tattoos on many of them. 
So that's another burial cave situation. And so, like, there are those the the and these Japanese are monks that yeah, kind of like that. So that were, um that that sort of like you yeah process going. Yeah, uh, they, I, so I don't have the information to hand, but I think they also had a very, very specific dietary regimen that began, you know, X number of days they had to no, do it's, this. It's like 900 and they had days. To, like, it's like a, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very long period of time that you are like, like fasting, but just like slowly like reducing your corporal form. Yeah, and also your your vital functions. Like I think they specifically ingested things that would, I don't know, slow their heart rate. I I, I read about it at one point, but I didn't include it in this episode because it tends to be more widely known about. But I yeah. I hadn't heard but of this, it's, and it's the um, same sort of thing of like, why wait till you're dead to start? Yeah, get a jump. Um, I mean it's it's the efficient way to do it, and also um. These the Iboloi burials are in these um, really neat wooden coffins that are carved. I swear that they, they look like little walnuts. Not little; they're they're human sized. But the way that they're carved, it looks like two halves of a nut wow. make up the coffin. It's really cool looking. So I'll I'll share photos um, on social media when when this comes out. Um, yeah, it's really neat. Um, now we are moving not only to Spain, but we're moving from burials. To some weird body stuff. And this is uh, courtesy of live science. So um, if anyone is sensitive to sort of body horror kind of things, you may want to skip this one. Uh, So skip ahead maybe three or four minutes. Okay. So in a necropolis in Spain, archaeologists have found the remains of a Roman woman who died in her 30s with a calcified tumor in her pelvis, a bone and four deformed teeth embedded within it. Two of the teeth are still attached to the wall of the tumor. The woman, who died some 1,600 years ago, that number is correct, had a condition known today as an ovarian teratoma, which, as its name indicates, occurs in the ovaries. So the word this teratoma... Was, this was 1.64 million years ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. What? I gotta go. I'm not telling you stories anymore. Oh, are you sensitive to body <laughs> horror? <laughs> no, I'm sensitive to chain yanking. <laughs> Yankity yank, yank, yank. The word teratoma comes from the Greek words teras and oncoma, which translate to, quote, monster and swelling, respectively. The tumors themselves come from germ cells, which form human eggs and can create hair, teeth, and bone, among other structures. But this is the first time scientists have found this type of teratoma in the ancient world. So just to clarify, these types of these ovarian teratomas are found in, you know, in instances in in modern cases. But this is the first instance where it's been found um, in in a body from the ancient world. Yeah. So like humans, humans with with ovaries can get them. Uh Uh-huh. But is this yeah, like because, something that is, was this an older person or? I'll get to it. Okay. Thank yeah. You. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the woman lived at a time of decline for the Roman Empire with new groups, popularly known by Romans as the barbarians, moving into Roman territory, eventually taking over Spain and other areas. So who was she? <laughs> who is she? <laughs> What's her story? 
<laughs> uh, archaeologists found the burial, again, in a necropolis where you go to look for burials, near Lleida in the Catalonia region of Spain. They only found a few artifacts with, buried with her, tiles known as tegulae, that had been put over her body to form a gabled roof. One of the researchers on this team noted that tegulae graves were the most common Roman burials, so she was not an important or rich person, which rude. Hmm. Um, the researchers note in their paper that while it's possible the woman never experienced symptoms, it's also possible that despite the tumor being benign, it ultimately killed her. So she was in her 30s when she died, which may or may not have been the upper end of life expectancy. It seemed, you know, people lived... Yeah, I mean, there were old people in, yeah. in Spain. But if she was not, quote, an important or rich, you know, maybe she didn't have access to regular health care. Maybe, you know, maybe like the lifespan of, of people in lower socioeconomic classes, you know, maybe that was around 30. I don't know. Um, sometimes the development of teratomas results in displacement and functional disturbances of adjacent organs. That's not good. The researchers wrote that infection, hemolytic anemia, and pregnancy complications can also occur with an ovarian teratoma, uh, events that could also have caused the woman's death. So she may never have known that something was actively wrong with this teratoma um, right. hanging out, but she may have experienced complications just because it was there that, that caused her death. Uh, it's impossible to tell from her remains is the impression I got from this study. So um, I have links to pictures of the ovarian teratoma in this woman and things like it. Um, I will link to them on social media, but I'll do it in such a way that clicking on it is going to be voluntary. So if you don't have to look at these things if you don't want to, because they can get pretty gnarly. So speaking of gnarly, and now a Swedish skull story. Oh. Skull. Archaeologists in Sweden have unearthed human remains of a type never before found in Scandinavia. The enigmatic Mesolithic bones show evidence of blunt force trauma to several skulls, and evidence that heads were displayed on stakes. But none of it is straightforward, and there are a number of mysteries here that have a whiff of Claude Holland about them. For one, the bones show evidence of healing, which means that the blows to the head weren't necessarily what killed these people. There are also signs that the bodies were buried prior to their heads being exhumed, and then it seems that the skulls were mounted on spikes. If you're wondering what the heck happened, you're in good company. The archaeologists from Stockholm University in Sweden are also baffled. The bones were found some years ago during excavations between 2009 and 2011 at a peak peat bog site called Kanaljörden near the Motalastrom River in central Sweden. They were unlike anything found before, and the pattern in which they were laid out in the lime sediment at the bottom of what was once a lake suggested a ceremonial purpose. Again, I might roll my eyes at that, but the evidence really does point that way this time. In 2018, a team of researchers completed an analysis of the assemblage, including skulls or skull parts, from at least 10 individuals. When they were excavated, two of the skulls were found to be mounted on stakes driven straight through the bottom of the skull to the top. In the lake, at the burial site, there had once been a compacted stone platform, possibly where rituals were conducted, with the remains of two settlements on the banks nearby showing a hunter-gatherer culture had been active in the area, which is totally... You know, par for the course for the Mesolithic. And 
Indeed, radiocarbon dating indicated that the remains are from sometime between 5500 and 6000 BCE, around 8000 years ago, solidly in the Mesolithic period for Scandinavia. Animal bones from at least seven different species, including boar, bear, and badger, all the bees, were arranged around the skulls. But Marks on these bones... No, no bee bones. Bees don't you, have bones. You know, you know bees, bees don't... don't have okay. Okay, thank you. Sometimes I gotta check. Bees don't have bones. Marks on these bones suggested the animals were butchered after death, but not for eating, since there was no evidence of fire on the bones. So if you're eating that boar, bear, or badger, you're doing it raw. The human skulls is where things get peculiar, because it wasn't peculiar already. Nine of the ten distinct individuals were adults, and the researchers identified two of them as female and four as male. Another two heads belonged to people aged between 20 and 35, and one was over the age of 50. Oh, this is like a terrible the remaining... problem. <laughs> How many? Yeah. Who was if next, one is to... next to? Sally. Fourth grade flashbacks. The remaining individual, known from a complete skeleton, was either a fetus or a newborn aged between 36 and 40 weeks, indicating that the baby had died very shortly before or after being born. And then just as one final really weird note, one temporal bone, so it's the, on the side of your skull, from a female skeleton was found to have been deliberately placed inside the skull of another woman. As with the Claude Holland episode, this one just leaves me yelling, what were you guys doing? Pointlessly into the void of time. Well, that is where we will leave it for our main feed bonus episode. To hear the rest of these spooky, ooky stories. And there are a couple of humdingers in here, I've been told, because this is a secret. <laughs> um, you can become a monthly subscriber over at patreon.com slash the dirt podcast. Yes, indeed. This show is produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Chris Webster here. Thanks for listening and sharing this episode across your socials. It really helps us get the word out. If you don't know how to share from your podcast app, just look for a share icon on Apple devices. It's usually a box with a little arrow coming out of it, something like that, and share it across your socials right from in the app. If you'd like to support us a little more and get some extras in the process, then head over to arcpodnet.com slash members for some options. That's arcpodnet.com slash members to support archaeological education and outreach.